You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the Howls and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopus and SB Nation. As always, if you'd like to subscribe to Howls and Growls, follow the link in the show notes or head to howlsandgrowls.substack.com, grab a free trial or a $3 per month subscription. It's popping off over at Howls and Growls lately, a lot of subscriptions, a lot of good content over there, so please consider heading over there and signing up. We're here a little later, as usual, today from a Monday night game. Hopefully this will be coming to you on Wednesday morning, I think. Sometimes it's hard for me to determine because I'm stupid, and if you haven't noticed by now, I'm on the other side of the world, and time zones can fry my brain a little bit. But we are here, and we are talking about a really good win for the Timberwolves. In the end, after some very, very hairy moments, they win 124-121 over the Dallas Mavericks. They survived the Kyrie Irving hellfire, and they proved once again that they can really match it against the Western Conference's best teams. And, I mean, it was a hell of a game, wasn't it? I thought the first three quarters were about as good as it gets for this team this season. The offense looked so awesome with Mike Conley kind of getting into his point guard rhythm alongside Rudy Gobert, who's clearly going to benefit from that. Anthony Edwards was just doing his thing once again, playing like the all-star that he now officially is. And Jaden McDaniels kind of upped his all-round usage and effectiveness, which he's going to need to do without D'Angelo Russell around and to kind of suck up some of that big scoring void that D'Lo is going to leave. And then Kyrie Irving hit like a fucking thunderstorm. I think giving up the bulk of a 26-point lead is a bad thing, no matter what anybody on the other side of the court is doing. But it was hard to watch that game and be completely pessimistic about the Wolves. Irving was just insane. It feels like around, say, 20 of the 26 points that he scored in that fourth quarter were tightly guarded sequences and heavily contested field goal attempts coming on the end of those sequences. So sometimes I think you do have to just tip your cap to a star who is on fire and hope that you did enough to withstand the thunderstorm and the Wolves were just barely able to withstand that thunderstorm. But on today's episode, we're going to do another deep dive. This time I want to focus on a player who really... I thought was the biggest reason that Minnesota were able to hold on against the Mavericks, and that's Kyle Anderson. So we're going to anchor this episode with a number, as usual, but as we do in these deep dives, we're kind of going to get well away from that number as just a singular number, but that number is 5.1, as in how the Timberwolves are 5.1 points per 100 possessions better 
when Kyle Anderson is on the floor this season compared to when he's off the floor. Let's talk more about slow-mo after a quick break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so as I said before the break, the Wolves are 5.1 points per 100 possessions better when Kyle Anderson is on the floor compared to when he's off the floor this season. And I do want to circle back around to that number. But first, I want to talk about something that can't always be quantified with stats, and that's versatility. I mean, I could throw stats at you. It's what we do on this podcast. I could tell you that this season, he spent 9.2% of his minutes guarding point guards. 20.7% of his minutes guarding shooting guards, 21.8% guarding small forwards, 32.6% guarding power forwards, and 15.8% guarding centers. That would give you a pretty good indication of how he's toggling between matchups and pretty much doing a bunch of different roles within the same night or on any given night. But it doesn't quite encapsulate what he does. It doesn't quite paint the same picture that gets painted when you just watch him out there on a nightly basis. Firstly, it's not, a just, it's not just about who he is guarding and what he is doing on defense. I mean, those things are important. We saw him take Luka on in the clutch last night and rip the ball away for an enormous late-game steal. We've seen him do the same thing to Ja Morant the last time Minnesota beat the Grizzlies. We've seen him be the one guarding Nikola Jokic to allow Rudy Gobert to play that roaming rim protector. Those numbers back up the fact that he's a literal 1-5 to defender, even if you can't rely on him to check speedy guards or massive halting bigs for entire games. He can do it in more than just pure switching situations. He can spend limited amount of time on any player in the league. But those numbers don't encompass his offensive game. They just tell you who he's guarding. And we all watch slow-mo, so we all know how important he is on the offensive end as well. Again, take last night as an example. While he did guard Luka down the stretch at times, and at other times he was pretty much playing the defensive center, he was also playing point guard with the ball in Minnesota's hands. Chris Finch clearly wanted shooters spacing the floor, and despite the fact that Anderson is still shooting a ridiculous 43.3% from three. He's not the kind of guy who demands attention all the time from help defenders. And therefore, he can still be someone who gets left alone and dared to shoot. And having an offense that relies on Kyle Anderson making threes in the clutch in a game where Kyrie Irving and Luka are kind of dragging the Mavericks back to a win is a risky maneuver. And that hurts when it's Rudy Gobert who can't be out there because he can't shoot. 
It hurt previously when it was Josh Okogie. But Anderson's get-out-of-jail-free card there is that he's a big point guard. So they put the ball in his hands and allow him the autonomy to make plays for himself and make plays for others. And that's what he did last night. That's why they were able to have one of Kyle or Gobert out there. Obviously, Gobert was on the bench, but they needed Anderson out there as well. And he made a few self-created buckets off the bounce, kind of bringing the ball up and sometimes not even passing at all. It was just Anderson isos. And he made two or three really big buckets in those situations. But he also flashed that versatility by getting a bucket and an assist as a high-post offensive hub. Really, without even diving into the numbers completely, that's the thing that makes Kyle Anderson such an important piece to this team. It's because he's not actually a piece. He is pieces. He's a point guard. He's a spot-up shooter or attack-off-the-catch kind of guy. He's, he's a defender of big wings and bigs and guards. And he can even be a modern-day big man who just runs dribble handoffs and elbow actions for Anthony Edwards or Jaden McDaniels or any other downhill scorer. And really, I think that that does tie into the numbers a little bit because that archetype of player obviously sounds extremely valuable and that's what the advanced metrics are looking for and that's what they portray in Anderson's case. So we can go back to that anchoring number of the episode. 5.1 points per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor. Out of the players who have played more than 500 minutes for the Wolves this season, only Jaden McDaniels impacts them more positively in that number. And both McDaniels and Anderson are currently the only players in that group that are on-off positives on both offense and defense. Like I said, the versatility is really smiled upon in those on-off numbers, but it is absolutely adored by the all-in-one advanced metrics. Get this, Anderson ranks in the 88th percentile in estimated plus-minus, but he ranks in the 99th percentile for defensive estimated plus-minus. Now, I've said before, all-in-one metrics are a little bit noisy, and you can't use them to create sweeping declarations. We can't say Kyle Anderson is the best defender in the league or a defensive player of the year caliber player. But this is pretty widely recognized as one of the best ones around, if not the best all-in-one metric. And it has him as a 99th percentile defender. Again, we know that's probably not the case. You know, Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert are both probably better defenders than him, certainly McDaniels. But according to estimated plus-minus EPM, the only players with a higher defensive EPM are Alex Caruso, Jaron Jackson Jr., Matisse Thybul, and OG Ananobi. That's a pretty good list and a pretty fair representation of some of the league's best defenders. Again, those numbers are a smidge overinflated. McDaniels are certainly better than him. McDaniels ranks in the 93rd percentile in that defensive EPM ranking. But it's a real, real testament to how versatile and impactful Anderson is as a defender. And it's a testament to how well he has fit into this new role and new system and new team in Minnesota. Last season, he was actually ranked in the 44th percentile in defensive EPM and was considered a negative in that metric. He was at minus 1.9. So I still do believe that on-off numbers are more indicative of a player's true value, especially when you're comparing them in those on-off numbers 
to their specific team needs and the roster construction of their specific team. So I want to finish by just dumping some slow-mo goodness from that category. First of all, I mean, it's kind of been the overarching point of this whole podcast is that he impacts winning, clearly. We know that. But he impacts winning because he helps negate the things that Minnesota as a team are awful at. When he's on the floor, they turn the ball over 1.1% less. That ranks in the 79th percentile for all players. And their free throw rate goes up 1.9%. That ranks in the 74th percentile for all players. Two very important things that this team doesn't do well. Limit turnovers and get to the line. But again, he does it on both ends. The Wolves also foul a lot themselves. But their opponent free throw rate goes down 1.1% when he's out there. That ranks in the 67th percentile. They're also prone to giving up corner threes when they play that aggressive style of defense. That goes down 2.1% when he's out there, 92nd percentile. And maybe most importantly, even despite his molasses speed, Minnesota get out in transition more and finish in transition more when he's on the court and their opponents get out in transition less and finish in transition less when he's on the court. So far this season, Minnesota are the 5th worst transition efficiency team in the league on offense, and the 10th worst transition efficiency team in the league on defense. So him helping there means that he is helping what is perhaps Minnesota's worst trait. And that kind of sums up Kyle Anderson. He helps. He helps everywhere and in every way. And there aren't many players on this team, and there aren't many players in the league who can say that they help in every way for their team. As long as he can stay healthy enough to keep playing, this team is going to be steady while he's out there. And hopefully, Chris Finch and the coaching staff can find a way to weave him into a big role, even when Carl Anthony Towns returns, hopefully soon. I think that that versatility that I keep mentioning will help them do that. So that's all I've got for today. A big Kyle Anderson love fest. I'll be back after the Wizards game to discuss that Wizards game. I hope you will be too.